Welcome into football and other F words. It's our first show post Lebowski. Uh, we're going to call it, uh, I guess, AL after Lebowski, all these shows. Um, I haven't, I really didn't practice what I was really going to say for uh, the opening of the show, but it's football and other F words. And welcome in part of the 440 Sports Network with Broadway Sports Media. Head to both websites, go to everybody's YouTube, turn on all the YouTubes and subscribe and blah, blah, blah. So I go from Michael G, Michael Gillum, to Michael H, Mike Herndon, who is with me. That means that next week it will be Michael I. I don't know who that's going to be. Maybe Michael Imperioli will come onto the show. Uh, all the Soprano guys are dropping like flies. So hopefully, you know, he'll be alive next time we go. Um, Mike, how are you feeling? Uh, R.I.P. Polly Walnuts. I'm. Uh, that was that was that one kind of got me. I I really enjoyed. Uh uh the sopranos and especially paulie so uh, that sopranos one, that rewatches sucks. on the horizon i feel like for uh, a lot I of think people so. i think so it's it's due it's due yeah yeah it's just one of those shows where you're like i gotta dedicate a good chunk of my life to getting you know to watching the show and and you know going through all the emotions that that show tends to bring out See, I, I, uh, I was a late Sopranos watcher. Not now that we're going to be Sopranos and other S words, um, <laughs> for this episode. Uh, I was a late Sopranos watcher, so I didn't watch until like probably like four or five years ago with for the first time. And I watched it all the way through. And the thing that tripped me out was I'm, I'm fairly certain that my dad was trying to be Tony Soprano. <laughs> uh when I was growing up, cause like the way Tony Soprano dressed in that show to a T like my dad, like the, the polos with the super long sleeves that come past your elbows and have like the little elastic band, the yeah. gold chain, the, the like loose fitting uh, slacks, like all of it. A hundred percent. My dad, the whole vibe, like, does that it mean was very weird? Does that mean eventually that in a couple of years, you too will be wearing that stuff? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, it's certainly not uh, out of the question. I may go full uh, Tony Soprano with, with my look eventually. I think that would be a, be a great look for you, and I fully support it. <laughs> uh, so we had some big news coming from and Justin Mello over at Music City Audible and BroadwaySportsMedia.com, where today he put out a tweet, and this is a follow-up to his report uh, that I guess Pro Football Talk and Terry McCormick did on June 23rd, but Justin tweets out, Titan safety Imani Hooker tells me he and the Titans have held preliminary discussions regarding a contract extension. There's no pressure on either side to immediately get a deal done, but talks occurred and are ongoing. Hooker is a budding 24-year-old star in a contract year, and I thought that this would be a good topic to open up with because when the original port came out from Pro Football Talk and Terry McCormick, you tweeted out, for what it's worth, here's how I'd prioritize extensions for the 2019 draft class. One, Simmons, dot, dot, dot. Two, Davis, three, Hooker, four, Long. Now, obviously, you uh, and you said, I think Hooker's second best player of this bunch, but I'm giving Davis a slight bump because of how critical it is to tight and solidify their O-line. So I don't think it's a surprise that Amani Hooker and the Titans are in preliminary discussions. That probably means, hey, we're going to take care of you. We're got to get, you know, take care of Simmons first, and then we'll come around to you. So, are you surprised that we're hearing about Amani Hooker before Davis, or do you just think that 
defensive head coach, the way this team is built, they would rather keep a money hooker and Kevin Byard. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it's also, it's certainly possible that they're having discussions with Davis too right, right now. Right. And we just haven't heard about it. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me that they're prioritizing hooker. Like, like I said, hooker's the better player from a pure investment standpoint. I mean, like the guy is only, he just turned 24 years old. He's younger than like uh, several of the players drafted, uh, two months ago or three months ago, however long the draft was now, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett is older than, than Amani hooker. Uh, so the guy's been playing at a really high level. He was, you know, one of the best safeties in football last year as in his first year as a starter, his arrow is very clearly pointed up. And, you know, obviously Nate Davis struggled a little bit last year, the, the double COVID bouts, uh, you know, give a little bit of context to that, but still we've seen more up and down from Davis than we've seen from hooker. So from an investment standpoint, and also the hooker has been healthy, uh, he's been available. You even see like, uh, there was a, uh, mic'd up clip from a Titans practice that, that the team, uh, website or team Twitter account, I guess, circulated earlier this off season with hooker. And it was a lot of Amani hooker breaking down the defense and like being the voice on defense. Now I'm pretty sure those were from the OTAs when a lot of the bigger star defenders were out like i'm pretty sure there was no harold landry no bud dupree no jeffrey simmons no yeah there was nobody because i remember Karski basically saying I, I, there's nobody here obviously because we're having to talk to stupid amani hooker <laughs> and his dumb looking face that's basically what paul said yeah so, it's I mean, not verbatim you know i'm taking some liberties yeah. with that but that's <laughs> typically the vibe was it, it, I got to make sure I shit on the status of Amani <laughs> Hooker among players that I want to talk to. Just a, a random sideswipe of Amani <laughs> Hooker out of nowhere. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Hooker is, um, I, I think he's a, he has a chance to be like, Bayard's not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I think Bayard's still got several years left at his peak. I think he's going to age pretty gracefully for his position. But he's uh, what he's thirty right now, right? And isn't he? Yeah. He's got to be close to it. He's close to it because I th I think that his contract runs through thirty one, and does he have two years left on his contract? I think that's counting right. this year. Yeah, he's uh, so you know, actually he's he's well, he's about to turn twenty nine. So yeah, I just looked it up. So he's uh, so he's like he's still got some prime left. He's still got two or three good years left. But I could see Amani Hooker being one, uh, the perfect partner with with Bayard to carry you having like probably the best safety duo in football for the next three or four years locked in which is a huge blessing to have for this young cornerback group that the Titans have all have drafted all within these last you know two or three drafts now um so I think that's a nice compliment in the secondary to have an experienced veteran safety duo that's playing at a really high level in front of young you know very talented athletic corners um, that's a nice mix. Uh, but he's also him being just 24 years old, he's still ascending. I feel like as a player and, and you could still get him at a pretty reasonable price. I would think, I mean, from a, a pay standpoint, I, he's probably not getting more than seven or 8 million a year. Um, is my guess right now. Yeah. I, I think for his position, it's going to be relatively low compared to what you see other safeties get. I, I just think that this team probably values the safeties more than other teams value safeties currently in the NFL. Like he, I, I would say maybe closer to 10 mil, 
I wouldn't be Maybe. surprised, and I wouldn't think that's an overpay if he was near 10 mil, but that puts him like in the upper echelon of paid safeties if he even gets that. Yeah, I think that would put him like in the top 10 because Justin Reed got 10, 10 5 a year from the Chiefs. Um, and I would say Justin Reed was more accomplished at that point in his NFL career than Amani Hooker is to this point in his, partially because Reed played a lot earlier um because he was on a terrible football team but uh hooker yeah hooker hooker's a fascinating case because yeah i think they should resign him i think they definitely should resign davis too um for that matter because davis to me you're not gonna have to pay him big money i mean if you look at guard contracts like right guard especially you've got like the brandon scherf wyatt teller zach martin like superstar tier which are all at like 16 14 to 16 million a year and then it drops all the way down to like 9 million a year um and you can get like i mean guys like austin corbett you know who just got 8.75 million a year from the panthers so and, and I think, austin corbett seems to me like the perfect you know compliment to nate davis that's, that's exactly yeah that's kind of where i think he is so I, I think you could get him for seven or eight million maybe nine million a year and i'd do that all day right now just because that gives you a young you know you know he's at least a, a quality starter he may not be like if you look at 20 what 2020 yeah 2020 nate davis he was getting all pro votes and his uh what second year in the league um, and then last year, obviously, was a little bit more up and down. And so I guess it depends a little bit on how much the Titans feel like that context of the the COVID and, and everything else that he was going through that you know we didn't really know about until just recently factored into his play. Because if that's if that's baked in, you know, maybe maybe you say, all right, let's just go ahead and get him signed up now because, you know, we and we talked about it for, you know, going back to when I was full time on the pod this offensive line is so much in flux with the age of the, of the group that was in so few clear transition pieces. I think they've started to collect transition pieces and Nate Davis was kind of the first one. You hope Dylan Radins is, is becoming one this year. Um, and then you hope Nicholas Petit Frere and, and guys like that could be guys and maybe Aaron Brewer does become one, but you really need a, a Nate Davis to be a guy here uh, long-term because you certainly don't want to have to turn around and replace another guard uh, next offseason. That would be a, a nightmare. Yeah, I look at Nate Davis's career, and I look at 2019. He was getting first-team reps. He was almost immediately slotted into his right guard spot. And then injuries hit, and then COVID also hit him in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, as well. But I know that he missed all of the preseason and a good portion of training camp uh, dating back into August before preseason. I don't, I don't think it was COVID. It, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I know he had an injury, but I thought he had COVID at some point, too, in 2019. And, and I could be mistaken on that, but um, I know that he did get injured. For like, yeah. that's why he was out. Um, in, in such that it delayed his progression into the starting lineup all the way into like what week six week eight seven or something like that i think it was week four that he and uh what's what's our favorite guy's name uh jamil super bowl champion yeah uh, the super bowl champion Jamil douglas yeah uh he uh i think it was week four that they alternated and then davis was pretty much the starter after that and then 
2020, he has a completely healthy offseason, right? And then he comes into 2020 and he's gangbusters. And then last year, he has a he's missed all a training camp because it was had injury. Then he had COVID on top of that. And you look at that, and then he has an up and down 2021. So it it seems to me more so than a lot of other players on the team that can get through injury and come back and make an impact. Those injuries for Nate Davis and that time missed means a lot for him in particular. So if he has a healthy offseason in 2022 uh, so far, and he has, and he looks to be in the best shape of his life, and that's not one of those tropes that you hear. He actually legit looks like he's in the best shape of his life. And if he continues that trend and stays healthy this offseason, gets in the work for training camp, there's no reason that you won't see all pro Nate Davis back. Does that mean that all of his stuff is fixed from a technical standpoint? No, maybe not. I mean, probably not. But all pro Nate Davis is better than 2019 Nate Davis and 2021 Nate Davis. And that is a huge boost, not only for the offensive line in general, but it's a huge boost for Dylan Radins, who's next to him. And it helps Ben Jones not have to worry so much about the right side if Ben if Nate Davis is back to all pro form. Yeah, if if he could, yeah, if if Nate Davis allows Ben Jones to help Aaron Brewer who or whoever starts at left guard, I'm assuming it's Brewer right now, uh help him more, especially in pass protection, because I feel like Brewer is going to need help uh just because of his stature and size, especially, you know, there's there's gonna be teams. Like, you know, say the Chiefs, um, who they're just going to be able to put Chris Jones over Aaron Brewer on on critical passing downs and rush him from a three technique spot. And it's going to be a tough sledding for for Aaron Brewer, because, I mean, you know, Chris Jones is one of the longest defensive tackles in the league. He just kills people with length. And that's before that's for normal guards, not guards that are six one and, you know, sub 300 pounds like Brewer, who is an absolute unicorn from a size standpoint. Um, and you know, obviously has a lot of positives that he is able to overcome that size deficiency with, but, um, yeah, Jones being able to help Davis or help Brewer because Davis is a solid rock on the other side of him would be a huge development for this offensive line as a whole. Or if the Titans were smart, they would just go sign Eric flowers. Yeah, that would be nice. That'd be <laughs> yeah. nice. Get, go get that higher floor. Yeah. I don't understand why they nobody has signed Eric Flowers that maybe needs offensive line help. So maybe there's something out there we're not aware of. This 2019 class, obviously the Titans can't sign A.J. Brown. And in your tweet, the tweet I read earlier, people were all like, well, they should have signed A.J. Brown over all these guys. Whatever. Can they sign the, all four of these guys? I yeah, mean, I, I kind of feel so. like they can, and I kind of feel like they will. I mean, obviously Simmons is yes. Amani Hooker is obviously trending towards that way. I would think Nate Davis would be trending towards that way. David Long is the inside linebacker position. So maybe they don't, but I feel like there's a place for all four of these guys in the future of the Titans for the next four or five years. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't feel like any of these guys are going to break the bank. I, I feel like they're all going to fall in somewhere between like $6 million to maybe – and uh, at the very tops, $11 million for maybe Hooker uh, as far as annual average value for the contract. And that's not a huge deal. And if you look at the way the Titans' books are set right now, like basically everyone that is getting paid a lot of money is on a contract year for, for all intents and purposes. Like 
Derek Henry has no guaranteed money left. Ryan Tannehill has no guaranteed money left after this year, of course, is what I'm what I'm talking about here. Lawan, uh, Zach Cunningham. I mean, you can go on down the list, like even like Brett Kern, who, you know, isn't making a ton, but he's making a lot for a punter. Um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for the Titans to save money um, in the in the short term by moving on from older, expensive veterans, especially like, you know, you, you look at it and you go, OK, who did they draft? And it's like, well, if Malik Willis pans out, yeah, they're going to kick Tano to the curb, uh, you know, if. Hassan Haskins, you know, I, I don't think Hassan Haskins is going to take Derrick Henry's job by any means, but if, if they're close in performance level, and, and I'm not necessarily saying I expect that to be the case, but Haskins is going to take his job at some point in the next four years, I think is the idea. Um, so I don't think it'll be this year, maybe not even next year, but I think that's the plan is that he's going to take his job at some point. Um, and then Lawan, I mean, if, Nicholas Petit Frere works out and, and you've got Raidens and, and NPF on the tackle. Whatever. Spots. Yeah. Wherever they may put up money. Um, so there's a lot of backfilling that they've done where you can look at, Hey, if these guys hit, you move on like Monty Rice and, and Zach Cunningham. Like I love Zach Cunningham. think he was great last year for them, but they're not going to keep paying him a $11 million a year. If Monty Rice can do, you know, ninety nine percent or of even what he Chance, can do with Cro- Chance of the Crawford, price. you know, is yeah. is out there too. I mean, to me, I look at it and I think, I look at David Long's situation. He's an inside linebacker, so it's already an undervalued position in free agency, and he's an undersized linebacker. And he's while he's great for the Titans. That's a lot of projection to take him from away from the Titans who know how to use him, who have a good defensive core and put him on a team like the Jaguars. Like if you put David, David Long over there on the Jaguars or over there at the Texans, or I would say you could throw in Seattle or somewhere like that. He's so under undersized. And he's not a guarantee that he's going to be worth the money that you pay for him when you take him out of the system that has made him who he is. Now, I'm not taking anything away from David Long. He's obviously very talented, but they knew that. The Titans knew that. Other teams did not see what the Titans saw. So I don't. I think it's kind of like a J.L. Brown situation where everybody thought, now, obviously injury kind of hurt J.L. Brown, but if, you, if teams thought J.L. Brown was going to be the J.L. Brown with the Titans and they could make him that they would have overlooked that injury because he was obviously going to be ready for the start of the year. So I'm looking at a linebacker probably that's going to get kind of a little bit under a money hooker and Nate Davis money, like 6 mil a year. And I think that's great money for David long and good value for the team. Yeah, I think so too. And, and your, your point about him fitting with this specific system is a good one because he's never had to not play behind Jeffrey Simmons, right? Like Jeffrey Simmons changes the math uh, for linebackers because there's going to be so much focus on 98 every snap. And there you hear uh, offensive coordinators talk about it every week, you know, when they talk about preparing for the Titans is you, you've got to block Jeffrey Simmons. You've got to worry about Jeffrey Simmons. Well, when there's that much concern about a defensive tackle, uh, you, you have a lot of linebackers running free. Um, which helps David Long kind of do what he needs to do. Now he's he's outstanding at shooting gaps and avoiding contact and doing all the other things uh, that he's able to do that makes up for his size. Kind of like, I mean, it, it's in a way it's like Aaron Brewer in that you know he's got to do a lot 
to be able to make up for the fact that he's 5'11 and 220 pounds. Um, but he does all of that and and he does it all so well that that he is very valuable. And it, it would be fascinating to see what he would get on the open market, but I do think he's probably from a positional value standpoint and, and from a you know player value standpoint, I think he's probably the lowest of this group. And that's not a slight at him. I think he's a really good player. I just don't think he's, uh, you know, quite as valuable as what Nate Davis or Amani Hooker are. It's like, it's like fans, you know, tend to always say, oh, he's going to get a lot of money on the open market. It's like Dane, when Dane Crookshank w- was hit the open market and everybody's like, oh, he's going to get paid a ton of money. I mean, even Justin Mello was telling me that uh, or telling us in the chat that he felt Dane Crookshank is going to get a lot of money on the open market. And what he signed for like three mil. Like, yeah, it was it was very low. Obviously, David Long is is playing a, a much more uh, used position in the NFL at inside linebacker, and he plays it at a better level than Dan Crookshank typically plays his safety position. Even though Dan Crookshank did a great job, I, I think that you would still I'd still be hesitant to think that David Long is going to average double digit money over a course of a contract. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if you got that kind of money. The um, so we think. Do you think Simmons' contract is coming up soon? Do you think that they're going to make an announcement or, you know, I don't know because I, I feel like I feel like this is such a J. Rob thing that that they do the big extension at the start of training camp, and we've talked before on on the pod about you know. I think part of the reason for that is is really it is like a morale as an example. Uh, thing for you know this team is coming into camp there this is where they start to really build what this version of the team is going to look like and I feel like handing out like if you're going to hand out a big contract that's the time that you want to do it like you want to show the rest of the team look hey Jeffrey Simmons busts his ass for this team every day Jeffrey Simmons has done all the right things for this team uh, for the past three years and here we are we're going to reward him uh, with this huge contract and, and show all the guys, you know, Hey, you do, you do what Jeffrey Simmons does. You follow his lead and you'll be taken care of too. And, and you know, look, it all, hasn't always worked out that way. Like, I mean, AJ Brown is, is obviously something that you can point to and say, well, Hey, it didn't, it, you traded him. Well, it, we all know the context behind that and, and we don't have to relitigate that here, but well, some people, I, I would say a good 90% know the, the, the <laughs> well, true. believe in the story at hand that's presented to them. The other ones believe, you know, the 10% believe that, you know, it, the Titans fucked up and did everything wrong. Yeah. The, the conspiracy theory that yeah. uh, they just hated him for some reason. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's a good time to give out a big contract. Now, it's it would be pretty rare for them to do that with two years remaining. It's, it, it, essentially, yeah. yeah. Officially, uh, officially now, uh, two years remaining on the deal because they did pick up his fifth year option already. So, um, it would be rare for them to do that. But Jeffrey Simmons is a rare player. Um, in, in both, I feel like because he's really come into this role as a leader, uh, too, and he's kind of following. I feel like the the Derrick Henry track to some degree as far as like he's the heart and soul of that defense and you hear him getting the team fired up and breaking down uh, the team before pretty much every game now. And I, I feel like he is kind of a central figure for this team, both from a, a talent standpoint and also just from a leadership leadership standpoint. So I could definitely see them saying, all right, we're going to go ahead and take care of him early um, and use that as an example. And maybe, Maybe they do two or three because they've done that before. I think they had one offseason where they had Lawan and Delaney Walker both got extensions uh, 
like when Lawan got his boss yeah. off, uh, <laughs> extension. Uh, I think I think Delaney Walker also got an extension right then, and maybe Ben Jones too. But they, um, yeah, they've done multiple at times too. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Well, let's get into getting stuff off of our chest because it's been a while since you were you've been on this particular podcast. Now you were on Music City Audible, I believe, two weeks ago. And you said you wanted to get stuff off your chest and you were looking to get it off. And then you, know, you guys spent, you know, five hours talking about Tory Carter and you never really got it off your chest. So I'm going to, I'm going to give, give you some uh, platform to do that. But I, first I need to get something off my chest about lists. I'm done with lists. I am done with these executive lists, these uh, executive GMs putting out their top 10 or top 32 quarterbacks or whatever they're doing like Lamar Jackson wasn't put in a top 10 because there were some people that didn't put him in the top 10. He may have been 11 and then everybody's got their arms up and all this stuff about it. Jeffrey Simmons is number two. And then we got 15 fucking articles about that. Like who, who gives a shit? Like at some point I understand that the media needs content, but I am, it's to me, I'm to the point where, it's like I am with movies now. After I put out this thing about the Batman and uh, how much I love the Batman, how I think it's, well, my, in my opinion, it's one of the b- best movies ever made, not just best comics, but one of the best movies ever made, started this whole shit storm. So at this point, I, I tell people now, like what you like. I like what I like. I am not an official movie ranker. I don't work for Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb.com. I am not paid for my opinion on movies, and I'm not a movie scientist. Like, I don't, I don't have an official rankings, and I don't use formulas. And that's where I'm at with this stuff. Like, these are all objective opinions from GMs and execs just based off whatever who knows what they're basing it off of they may have lamar at 32 because they're cleveland browns gm you know what i'm saying like at this point if you have lamar jackson in your top 10 or if you have jeffrey simmons at age 29 in at number one in dts because that's what espn you know they messed up his age then by all means have it that's what matters right shouldn't your own opinion just matter who gives shit about what these other losers say it does. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is uh teach their own, you know, in that, in that respect. And look, I do enjoy the list because like, I, this is the point in the NFL calendar where like, I am starting to get hungry for NFL content. Cause we, we had the tease of mini camps and OTAs and stuff like that. You get to see the little snippets and, and things like that, but you have that long six week lull between the end of mini camp and the start of training camp where just there isn't shit happening. Like we, we have to talk about Baker Mayfield for three weeks or, you know, Deshaun Watson becomes news like every single day somehow. And I'm so, so tired of talking about both of those characters. Like I'm done with them. Don't give a shit about them. Don't want to hear about them. I am not until. watching Panthers versus Browns week one. Like you're not, you're out. <laughs> I, I am not watching it. Like I don't, I don't care about it. I don't care about Baker Mayfield. And if Deshaun Watson for whatever unforsaken reason is not suspended i am definitely not watching any cleveland game it, it'll be so funny when it's jacoby Brissett versus sam darnold yeah. or uh or who is that uh uh the uh, max quarterback oh, um, is he still over there no uh, matt corral's over there now yeah, he's the third yeah, quarterback right. yeah matt corral versus uh jacoby Brissett. get get your popcorn out yeah um yeah I, i'm so tired of those narratives so 
to see the, these lists come out, I, I do feel like it's interesting because it is like people in the league and what they think of players. And I, you know, look, I don't always agree with people in the league and I don't think the quote unquote, like football cognoscenti is uh, the, the around the NFL guys would say always get things right. Like they miss stuff all the time. Just look at the draft and how bad teams are at drafting. Like they screw, they screw shit up constantly. So I don't think, you know, we have to necessarily hold these lists up like they're, you know, manna from heaven. And, you know, this is, this is the official list of, of how good these players are, but I feel like it's interesting to know what the league generally views these guys as. And, and I, the same reason I like to, I, you know, Sando's probably due to drop his quarterback tiers list here in the next week or two. And we'll get the, uh, Bruce Feldman freaks list. Like I, I like all these lists. I, I, I like the freak list. I, I feel Most, that that's a little bit different. The freak list is, I, yeah. I think that if you do away with these GMs and execs who are, who are voting and who are giving you snippets of information, I felt like if you did away with the, the numbers, the, the, the numbers and just yeah. present, but again, because people are such gullible fucking suckers, <laughs> that they will get so mad over a list that it creates content. We're going to continue to get this drivel in this kind of format. Well, yeah. I mean, mean, it's because it's made for a fucking debate, right? Like it's like, Oh, well this guy ranked uh, Joe Burrow fifth and whoever the fuck you want to say, like uh, Dak Prescott 10th. You know, I I think it, you know, how can you say that Joe Burrow is better than Tom Brady, or I don't know. I, I can't even remember who was ranked where in that list, but it's, it's the, the arguments that it creates that, that fuel the fans of, uh, you know, all the fan bases to talk about something during July when they're in shit to talk about. Yeah. So I, and it's kind of, I don't enjoy the, the picking a part of the rankings either, but I do, do enjoy reading the tidbits and getting a general sense of like where guys stack up league. Yeah. So I've, you can take good things away from it, but yeah, most people don't. Most people take away, oh, six versus eight. Oh, God. <laughs> what has put a bee in your bonnet this offseason so far that you have not been able to uh, vocalize? It, you know, it's like a, uh, this bee's been in my bonnet for like seven years now, but fucking Colts, every <laughs> offseason, yeah. every fucking offseason, it is the same shit. Plug in fucking quarterback who was terrible last year and into a team that was mediocre last year and all of a sudden super bowl baby the colts break up the colts like I, prohibitive favorites to win the afc south i mean these people that pump up chris ballard i'd I, like i he must be he must give the best fucking behind the scenes quotes uh of anybody in i'm in telling NFL you i history. think it's jim Mercedes giving these guys drugs uh, I think that's what he's doing. I think he is giving. I think he's sliding people drugs behind the scenes. Uh, per- Percocet King of Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, he is uh, Ballard to me is like the most overhyped guy. And and then you hear, um, you know, and I, I will applaud. I listened recently to, uh, um, I guess it's the Ringer NFL show with Kevin Clark and Stephen Ruiz and Benjamin Solak. And I've got to give credit to Kevin Clark because for years now they've been on that podcast and they bash the Titans every time it is always the Titans are so bad. And then Kevin Clark 
for the last two years now has been saying, but they just keep winning football games. And at the end of the day, the Titans just keep fucking winning football games. And at some point that has to matter, because if you look back over the last four years now, ever since Brable's been there, I think they're like sixth in the NFL in wins. And if you look at the other teams around them, and if you just isolate the Tannehill uh, section of, of the last, what, three years now, uh, since he took over as, as quarterback, if you just isolate since Tannehill took over, they're, I think, third in the league in, in wins. So, and, and it's like Packers, uh, Chiefs, Titans, Bills, Ravens. Like, those are the teams that the Titans are lumped with, yet they never are talked about with those teams. And the Colts somehow are, despite the fact that the Colts are fucking 500 uh, over Chris Ballard's entire tenure with the Colts, which, by the way, is, what, five years now that he's been there? Like, he's had time to fix the issues and to overcome the Andrew Luck shit and, and everything like that. And he guess what? He keeps going and getting bad quarterbacks. Uh, and, and at some point, that's got to be a reflection on him, right? Um, and, and, you know, his draft last year, picking up, you know, the guy with the Achilles and, and you know, Quiddy Pay, who did nothing for them. Look, look, he's not the best GM in football. He's been absolutely mediocre so far. Maybe, maybe this year is the year they put it together. I don't know. Like, it, is it possible that Matt Ryan helps them out a bunch just by being an adult? Uh, maybe, you know, and maybe that does help. But I, I'm not willing to give them any benefit of the doubt until I fucking see it. Seven years running is like the parade, uh, you know, AFC South champion team and seven years running without a division championship. So fuck the, the Colts nonsense. I'm so tired of it. I'm, it, it is so predictable. We talk about it like every year, they're just going to prop up this next rendition of the Colts and then they do it again and then it fails again. And it is Groundhog's Day all over again. And, and they're barely changing the tweets because they put out a thing about, um, on, I think it was Colts, website or maybe is even Stephen Holder, Zach Kiefer, one of those guys that covers the Colts. But they said something about Matt Ryan. Things things feel so much better in the locker room or on the field because Matt Ryan's here. Matt Ryan's practices have never been better. But they said the same thing about Carson Wentz last year. Yep. The consummate pro and all this stuff. And R- remember when Carson Wentz was playing gotcha, uh, the the basketball yeah. game with yeah. the, the, the de- defensive line after practice. And everyone was like, look, Carson Wentz fits in great. He's a great leader. Oh, yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah, they, they, it's this, almost the same exact tweets. I mean, I even did when I saw the Matt Ryan tweet, I was like, oh, I'm sure that I could put in Carson Wentz and a couple of the adjectives that they use to find tweets from the same guy. And it was <laughs> and I forgot to bookmark him, but I totally found him. And, you know, for as much as we shit on Carson Wentz for 17 games, he wasn't as bad as he was at the Philadelphia post 2017 year. And. He wasn't that bad. Can Matt Ryan be better? Maybe, but Matt Ryan wasn't that great last year. And I kind of think that Philip Rivers was a better 37-year-old quarterback than what Matt Ryan is going to be this year. And don't even get me started on Paris Campbell. Like if I have to hear one more time about, oh, we're getting Paris Campbell back, who gives a shit? That guy sucks. <laughs> like, And then I like the Alec Pierce, but they're immediately probably going to be slotting him in at wide receiver two, more than likely. And I don't know if that's, I don't think that outside of Jonathan Taylor, there's nothing to 
ter- be too terribly scared of. Michael Pittman will get his, but he's like Corey Davis level good. Like when Corey yeah. Davis was a Tennessee Titan, he was he's not some spectacular. He's not what people described him as before the draft, before you got drafted was going to be like Michael Thomas. And listen, we haven't seen from Michael Thomas in a while, but so far I haven't seen anything from Michael Pittman that screams that he's going to be like Michael Thomas. Jelani Woods, we, me and Braden had this discussion on Monday's 440 talking about the tight ends. And I said, you know, I think the best two tight ends are with Tennessee right now. And I, because I think Chickaconku is that good. I don't believe in Moali Cox, 29 year old, who's the longest, uh, he's the longest tenure tight end for his AFC South team. Brevin Jordan and Farrell Brown over in Houston. Then you got Evan Ingram, and he throws out Jelani Woods. And I liked everything I saw about Jelani Woods, but you're talking about a player that a lot of scouts pumped up and put that, oh, he's going to, he's got the chance to be the first tight end off the board. Was it Lance Zierlein that had him going in the first round in one of the mock drafts or something crazy like that? Yeah, it, it might have. Yeah, it, somebody. Yeah, he definitely got a lot of buzz. And, and I really like Jelani Woods, but yeah. I like him as a long-term project. I don't feel like he's a first He's nowhere near where that. Chig is right now, in my opinion. I think Chig has it mentally. We don't know why Jelani Woods fell so far. So obviously something is there that he fell so far that was not put out in the pre-draft process. So to me, I'm looking at the tight ends have the two best tight end duo in Chig and Austin Hooper. So I don't, I, we, we went through the offense and the defense will be a little bit probably closer, but they also lost Matt Everflus, which nobody's talking about. And I know they got Gus Bradley, but are we really going to believe in Gus Bradley? Who's kind of been up and down without the Legion of boom and they don't have a Legion of boom. Yeah. And they may not even, we don't even know how long Kenny Moore is going to hold out. Oh, is he holding out? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, he, uh, he's holding out because he doesn't want to get paid like a nickel corner, even though that's where he spent the majority of his time. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, he's uh, and he's critical to their defense, too. And, yeah, I'd, I don't know how much Stephon Gilmore has left in the tank. Obviously, he's a yeah. big X factor. Like, if he's if he's good, then their corners will be better than they were last year. But, it, you know, I don't know. I mean, he, he played a little bit, I guess, for the Panthers last year. Um, but, you know, nobody watched the Panthers. So no. <laughs> nobody has any clue uh, how he was. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And, and Gus Bradley, I, I'm not. I'm not a Gus Bradley. Uh, I'm not very impressed by Gus Bradley. I feel like when he has, like, elite talent, yeah, yeah his defenses are, are pretty decent, decent. But, like, I, you know. Does he have elite talent? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, Indy? don't like, forget Darius Leonard is broken back. <laughs> like, nobody uh, cares. Nobody that, cares that, about it. That is sneaky big, too, because, like, not only does he have this back surgery that comes out of nowhere, which, by the way, you know, people were saying, well, Caleb Farley may never play in the NFL because he had a back surgery, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, well. Oh, he'll be Leonard. back by no, training camp or something. No big deal. He's back by training camp. <laughs> Um, so he's got that. And then he also has this ankle that is apparently, I, I don't know if his ligaments are just so stretched out in that ankle or, or what happened with that, but he's still not having surgery on it. So who knows how that's going to hold up over the course of the season. He hasn't been able to get through a season healthy in a while. Now he's still, he's a tremendous player, like tremendous player, playmaker, all that. But when he's not right, he's not the same player obviously um and he hasn't been right in, in a little while and 
Like Buckner's great, uh, no doubt about that. But there's nobody else on the defensive line that scares you. Yannick like, and Buckner are the only, I think that are pretty scary. Yeah, Yannick Yannick is okay. Um, he's a liability in the run game. Um, yeah. So you, you have to watch out for him on third downs, but that's that's really uh, kind of it. But the the pass rush should be better, I think, for the Colts, which will help them overall. And their defense is pretty good, but. Yeah, I'd, I think the Titans have a better offense. And here's here's the other thing. Here's another take that I feel like I have to get off my chest. Um, because Robert Woods needs to stop being fucking disrespected. I and, agree. And everybody keeps saying, well, oh, the Titans, you know, they had a huge, huge step back from uh, uh, at wide receiver because they lost A.J. Brown. Well, yeah, they lost A.J. Brown that but adding Robert Woods is not a f- fucking small deal. Like it is just not um, his, he's got two seasons of over 1100 yards, which is more than AJ Brown ever had with the Titans. Um, he produces extremely consistently for basically going back to the, the moment he arrived in LA um, and everything you know about him, you know, as far as off the field guy work or all that stuff is, is glowing. And we've already seen great, you know, video of him looking really sharp early on in his recovery from his ACL injury. So look, you know, I, I get the concern with the injury part of it, but Robert Woods, when he's healthy is not that far off from AJ Brown. Now they're very different types of wide receivers, but overall talent level overall ability uh to impact the game i think robert woods is very close to aj brown um you know he doesn't have like the superstar maybe qualities that that aj did but he's also way more consistent of a route runner he's way more reliable as far as hands catching the football uh i think he gets open more consistently um so there's gonna be it's gonna be a different uh passing game for the Titans, obviously, it's not going to be as star focused with without AJ, but they've got a lot of really good pieces, um, especially between Woods and Hooper and what we've heard early returns on from Chig. Uh, that's that's a nice group before you even throw in Burks, you know, in, in NWI and Kyle Phillips and all this other stuff. And, and, you know, whatever you get out does Fitzpatrick, if anything, like we'll see. But. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see any position group on offense where the Titans are clearly behind the Colts besides maybe the offensive line. And I think the Colts offensive line is still wildly overrated. Like who who are they playing at left tackle? I mean, right. I, I don't know. It, it that's kind of the most important spot on the line. Yeah, I, I think I think that you're you're right in that. And I think that the whole I think the whole pass catching group for the Tennessee Titans are getting is getting wildly disrespected. Because they were able to win 12 games with a way, way tremendously worse roster of offensive pass catchers for the majority of the year, right? And we're talking, I'm going to include Chester Rogers, Marcus Johnson, Tommy Hudson was out there catching passes, Michael Pruitt, Jeff Swain, Anthony Ferkser. I mean, all these guys were playing considerable snaps and are way worse than the counterparts that are currently listed. And let's be honest, Julio Jones was, was nothing. He was, it was a bust of a, a trade. Now, listen, you make that trade going back in time. You still make that trade now, unless you know what you know now, but you still make that trade because it's Julio Jones, but look at where Julio Jones is at right now. Ain't nowhere. And you haven't heard a peep out of it. And 
I think that while A.J. Brown is good, he's not a 1,500. He's not Devontae Adams. You know, he's not Tyreek Hill. He's not these guys that get close to 1,500 yards. Yeah. And he can he be that guy in another offense? Maybe. With the Eagles, probably not. I would be no. very hard-pressed to think that he's going to reach those numbers or reach numbers differently than what he has with Tennessee. But you got to look at it instead of saying, well, they don't have A.J. Brown. You have to look at it and say, here's what they did last year. Can they at least match it or even match production of 2020? Because, I mean, when you really think about it, Tannehill needs to cut down on his interceptions and they need to throw a little bit further beyond the sticks, you know, on there. And that's the only difference between really 2020 and 2021 and besides health. So can they, can the collection of guys that they have copy the output of Corey Davis, AJ Brown and Johnny Smith, right? Because that's what you really need. And if they can do, if, if it takes, even if it takes four guys to do that, that's still better than what they had last year. And, and I will say that, I mean, the Titans offense has always been better when there's been a wider range of options available. Not, not just focus on one star singular talent. Cause I mean, and, and ultimately last year, that's what they were forced into, right? Because Julio Jones, like you said, was nothing uh, mostly due to injury, but, you know, when even when he was out there, he wasn't horribly effective, mostly because, I mean, it always looked like he was limping, uh, basically. Um, they had no tight end. They, you know, A.J. Brown, and, and then obviously no Derrick Henry for half the year. So A.J. Brown was the offense for a big, big tr- chunk of that season. So, you know, it's not crazy to think that, you know, if you're basically taking A.J. Brown and saying – AJ Brown plus like whatever it was, Cody Hollister and Chester Rogers at times um, out there. Is, is that really any better than Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips and Hooper and a Conquo? Like I would say the Titans 2022 roster certainly has more talent than what we saw on the field from uh, the 2021 roster. Now I, you know, on paper, certainly different, but you know, games aren't played on paper and, and, you know, we, we have to see uh, how all this shakes out and what Burks is and like, there's still so many mysteries with this team. And I, I certainly think there's, you know, the chance that, that maybe it's, uh, it, you know, it all falls apart on them, but I, I think it's a relatively low chance. I think this team is going to be competitive and good and, you know, vying for the, the division again. Um, for what a third, fourth year in a row. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I just can't see them suddenly falling apart here. I, I said after the draft that at this point in time in 2021, which was after the draft, I feel so much better about the pass catching group, including the tight ends, than I did in 2021. So, like, because we got to remember after the draft, it was A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, NWI, Jeff Swaim, Anthony Ferkser, and, and like Luke Stocker. I think Luke Stocker was still on the team at that point. And you fast forward to one year later after the draft, you feel entirely better. Now, if I were being honest with myself, we're, we're, we're in the phase where we've already seen, if you were going one year ago from today, Titans already have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. 
So one year ago today compared to now, I would say that my excitement level over the pass catchers was better last year or more confident last year. But when I'm thinking about what we saw actually on the field and performance-wise, I'm still feeling 10 times better about this pass-catching group than going into this this point in time. I'm not too concerned with trailing Burke, Seaton, Doritos on a boat in, you know, in a moment in time. I know it's big concerns for <laughs> other radio shows and stuff like that, but I typically do not care what a player does in a moment of time captured by a f- photograph. So... You can you can shit on his uh, taste in you know chip taste. I, you know I'm a Cheetos guy, so oh, if he would have had a bag oh, of Cheetos, no, no Doritos, Doritos, no. way better than Cheetos. No way. Let, let me I mean, say listen, I, I will say the cheddar jalapeno Cheetos and flaming hot Cheetos are both very very good snack options, but Doritos are way up there. I mean, I. I would put cheddar jalapeno Cheetos versus like Doritos like that. They're, they're probably in the same tier for me, um, but it's close. But regular Cheetos is like a bottom tier snack for me. Oh, oh, that's totally. We don't we don't have time to talk about this. Cheeto Anything puffs else or regular Cheetos? Regular Cheetos, regular Cheetos, man. Crunchy okay. Cheetos. Uh, but like, yeah. I just don't. It's I, I think that Traylon Burks is going to be fine. Is he going to be rookie year A.J. Brown? I don't believe so, but if he is AJ Brown that, or uh, if he's Traylon Burks who gets you 890 yards and seven touchdowns, that's a great first round pick in my opinion. Yeah. And, and let me say this about the Traylon Burks uh, fitness level thing. I almost don't give a shit if he's a little bit like not in tip top shape. I mean, like, would you prefer him to be obviously sure, but with this team, like you don't necessarily have to have him play 90% of the snaps on offense, right? Like if he's able to play 60, 70% of the snaps and be highly impactful in those snaps, I'm good with that. Like I'm totally good with that because what we saw from him at Arkansas also, you know, didn't really have any conditioning issues on the field, like regardless of how much he weighed, you know, going into their camps or anything like that, or how much, how much weight he was playing at. Like there was the reports that he was playing at 235, 240 at Arkansas. Who gives a shit if he's running away from the whole Alabama secondary and hanging 180 yards on him? Like, I don't care how much he weighs if he's effective. I don't care if he has a fucking muffin top if he's out there, you know, catching 150 yards and two touchdowns every week. So until I see Traylon Burks not able to, to get down the field on a, on a route because he's gasping for air or whatever in a game, I don't give a shit what he looks like. I don't give a shit if he uses an inhaler or misses a practice or two. Let me see what he can do on the field, and then we can talk about what, what he is or isn't because I, that's all that matters at the end of the day. What do you do on the field for me? Yeah. I, I I think that people cutting the I guess him off at the knees before he even plays the snap even in the preseason. Yeah. It, it's it's utterly ridiculous. I, I get it that you're you're disappointed, but I don't think that the Titans are too concerned. And I'm not gonna be concerned until I see something. Like I said, my concern is gonna come at training camp. If he's missing weeks upon weeks of of practices at training camp that is a time to be concerned with his conditioning if he's out maybe one a week then i'm not that too concerned 
exactly. Yeah, I, I don't want him missing big chunks of time of install because that's actually going to affect his ability to pick up the offense and get into the uh, the flow of the the team. But yeah, yeah, like you said, a practice here or there, whatever, don't care, fine. Yeah. Well, you got anything uh, else you need to get off your chest? Uh, I think I think I've uh, I've unburdened myself uh, sufficiently. Well, this has been football and other F words. I've been joined by Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. Uh, did you watch the F1 race? Because I guess we need to do a little F1 and oh, other F words. What I a did. race. But I, well, I spare me this stupid ass FIA getting on the screen 40 times. 40 laps were deleted because of uh, track limits. Like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, it was it was a lot of that, and then and then you're sitting here trying to keep keep up with all the penalties and like oh he's got to take a five like that is obnoxious. Like at some point you you almost like if these guys can't stay on the fucking track, you need to change the track. You know, like that's it's at some point it's not the drivers, it's the the design of the track. I, I don't right. know what I don't know what to say there, but that that was uh that was a very it was a very entertaining race. Um especially the the ferrari blowing up with what what was it 10 laps to go something 15 maybe uh yeah that was crazy that was because i i thought he was uh i thought he was about to make the charge on uh uh verstappen and then just blows up that that is uh ferrari i think the next race is in africa i think is coming up and that's uh gonna be in two weeks i believe i not as prepared as Lebowski is, so everybody will have to excuse excuse it. But hopefully, I can get to an F one fellowship coming up soon. But this it has been the, football. The another French, the French, the French. I was close. Uh, French Africa, they're very close. France. They are. They are. Yeah, they're neighbors. Yeah. Uh, this has been football. Another F words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F words Pod. This is, of course, Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. Uh, Make sure to tune in to 440 Sports uh, coming up. That is uh, a football show with me and Brayden Gall, Mondays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Which has been uh, great, by the way. Oh, thank I, you. I thoroughly enjoy. Well, we try to uh, bring in a little bit different flair. He's going to be on hand at SEC Media Days. I think the plan is that we're going to do – that's coming up next week. And I think the plan is to do maybe a couple of mini episodes throughout the week instead of our normal one. And he's on the Fine Bomb Show all this week. So, um, you know, Brain's a busy man. He's a busy man. Yeah, the Fine Bomb. That's nice. But this has been Football Under the F Words, and you have just been effed. Broadway Sports Media Production.